Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I ran across the definition of anadrome. So the answer to this question is going to be an anadrome, right? And so which one is it going to be? It was written by Sonny Rollins. That's pretty tough. Recorded by Miles Davis, you know, that brings in a little bit more people. But then the thing that really hooks you in is it's named after a country in Africa. So now you've got something to work on. Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, Isaac Butler. And I'm your other host, June Thomas. So, June, hello. Now, hello. who the heck was that we heard at the top of the show? That was Shane Bushfield. But as you'll hear, I had a really hard time using that name, even though it's his real name, because I'm more used to communicating with his alter ego, which is Thorsten A. Integrity, the identity that he adopts when he's sending out information about Learned League. Ah, all right. So for those of us who are not learned about the Learned League, uh, what is it? Well, it's an online trivia league. I, I won't go into too many details because Shane and I do get into some of that in the interview. But I guess the key feature is that it's online. Doing things virtually is no big deal after the last 18 months or so. But that was almost always baked into Learned League after a very early very short in-person project when Shane set trivia challenges for, I think, a dozen or so co-workers during a boring summer job at a Manhattan law firm. He took his trivia to the web and that has shaped it. So every weekday morning, I get an email from Thorsten A. Integrity telling me how I did the day before and with a link to that day's questions. And it's part of my morning routine now. And as I was researching before the interview, I read that a lot of lawyers and a lot of librarians play Learned League, but my own biases and networks mean that I tend to recognize other journalists. And my opponent this very morning was one Kois D, a man <laughs> who went to school at UNC. And that, of course, is our mutual friend and collaborator, Dan Kois. And I hear that a guy called Alam R, who went to Oberlin, also plays, which is, of course, our buddy Ramon. Amazing. And and this week we have a little extra something for our Slate Plus subscribers, right? Yes, we do. I asked Shane about any regrets he might have about the way he designed the league. And this being America in the summer of 2021, I had to ask him who he thinks will be the next host of Jeopardy. Oh, that's great. So, so he'll weigh in on the number one crisis facing our nation <laughs> yes. at this time. Uh, well, you know, here's my trivia question, listeners. Why would you want to miss that? And the answer is... You wouldn't. 
And if you subscribe to Slate Plus, you don't have to. It's incredibly easy to subscribe to Slate Plus. You'll get exclusive members-only content, zero ads on any Slate podcast, full access to articles on Slate.com without hitting a paywall, bonus episodes of shows like One Year and Big Mood, Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery, and you'll be supporting the work we do right here on Working. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com slash working plus. All right, now let's listen in on June Thomas as she quizzes Thorsten A. Integrity. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com slash working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash working. Rules and restrictions may apply. So, who are you and what do you do? My name is Shane Bushfield, but um, in many parts I'm known better by my superheroic alter ego, Thorsten A. Integrity, who is the commissioner of Learned League, the world's greatest online trivia league. I have to tell you, Shane, that I have done lots of interviews with actors who I know by many different names, but you are the person who I've had the hardest time calling by the real name. And I think it's because <laughs> I get like a hundred emails from you every year as Thorsten A. Integrity. So that's totally in my mind. And for the listeners who are not part of Learning League and don't know its lore, why are you sending me all these emails? I'm sending you emails because you're a member of the league. And so the emails are basically notifications and updates and information to tell you that the questions are available for you to answer and the results of your last match are available to tell you how you did, uh, whether you won, lost, or tied. How many people play Learned League? So there's a season going on right now, um, right smack in the middle of it, and there are about 24,000 players. Just over, about 24,500, somewhere in that area. So I have to say, I'm always a bit surprised when I'm matched against a woman because it feels like the majority of the players are men. What's the actual breakdown? 
Yeah, so you're right. The majority of players are men. Uh, the number of non-male players mm -hmm. is a little bit over 30%. Okay. It's higher than it has been in the past. Mm. Um, so it, it has grown somewhat. And I believe you're actively trying to kind of rebalance or, or balance the game's demographics, yes? Why and how do you want to do that? Yeah, so I do have to say that my ability to do that is somewhat limited because of the way players join the league. So there's mm -hmm. no like um, casting, basically, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. If you're referred by a current player, you're eligible to join. And so if you are a guy and you refer 40 of your best guy friends to join, well, that's 40 guys and zero non-guys. So yeah. there's not a whole lot I can do. Um, but there are a couple things that I do do. One is just to encourage people to uh, you know, be mindful of diversity, sort of mm -hmm. put mm -hmm. it in those terms. So when you're referring, like if you're on the referral page on the website, there's just a little note there. It says, hey, you know, think about maybe not in referring all your guy friends. Yeah. You know, but I don't want to go too far on that because, you know, if you're playing and you're having a great time and your brother says, hey, refer me, I don't want you to say no, I'm only referring women. I mean, yeah. you know, I want everyone who wants to play and would enjoy it to join. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say the main thing that I do is not really necessarily about recruiting. It may have a secondary effect in terms of recruiting players and influencing the players that join. This is more about players that stay, and that's the content. So I have total control mm. over the content, mm. the Learned League seasons content. I mean, you know, their players write the off-season stuff, and there's, yeah. you know, I, I'm fairly liberal in what I allow there. But the um, for the Learned League season content, which from my perspective, is like the canon. It's like the main yeah. Learned League content. Um, I write all that. I, that, might, that might not be obvious. I write all those questions. So I'm very mindful of that content and how it's consumed by the players and um, the fact that players feel like they're a part of the content, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not just like you're not just playing in a, in a trivia contest that's tailored for white guys in their late 40s, which is what I am, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I do work hard with that. I know that one of the things that people often criticize trivia for is the narrow range of references. So for example, the fact that I speak French often helps me, you know, kind of guess at answers because there are kind of clues or just, you know, it's in the cultural air that we breathe. Whereas a Gujarati speaker, for example, might not get that kind of advantage. Yeah. So how do you address things like that? Because that's the kind of thing you're talking about, right? Yeah, sure. So it's hard, you know, because when it comes down to it, this is a game, right? Yeah. So yeah. the number one goal of any game, and particularly this game, my number one goal is for it to be fun. So mm -hmm. whatever other goals I have and whether I accomplish them or not, if the game's not fun, then it's not going to be a game for very long, right? So that's a constraint. And the reason why that's a constraint is because you can only ask questions that people know the answers to mm -hmm. um, or structure them in a way that would be fun for them to answer. Yeah. So, you know, expanding the trivia canon, so to speak, which is a goal of mine, is something that you can't just like rush headlong toward because you're going to run into problems with people like saying, well, this is interesting, uh, but, you know, 3% of the players know the answer to that question, that's going to start to get tiresome. Yeah. So there's a way to kind of chip away at that, which is, you know, writing questions that 
that are fun, that people have a shot at knowing that might stretch that boundary a little bit. And then you can maybe go beyond the boundary a little bit by pulling in information that kind of it will expand the horizons a bit while still kind of being tethered to what people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean by that? So I, I do, I so, do. So, you know, exposing people to things that they wouldn't know about, so they learn something in the question, and so it kind of expands the range of content without necessarily making, like, just super difficult questions. I have lots of questions about how you write questions, but before we get to them, I just want to ask a couple more questions about the league itself. Because there are some things that distinguish it from other trivia leagues and even other online trivia. The first thing that I'm thinking of is you must get a referral, which you mentioned earlier. Why? Well, so a couple of reasons. The main reason is just because of the fact that it's just bone easy to look up answers, right? Like this is an online trivia league. You're playing it on a website. The webpage where you're answering the questions you probably have a search bar in your browser right there where you could just type in one word and there's your answer, right? And that's, that's a difficult thing. That's really, really hard to, to kind of overcome. Yeah. So there are a few different things that we do to try to mitigate that. And one of them is the referral system. So in order to join, you have to be referred by someone and that someone is vouching for you. Mm. Uh, now, whether they're qualified to vouch for you or whether they're vouching is, you know, appropriate, you know, that could be up for debate, but the, but they are vouching for you. So there's someone on the hook for you that says this person would, would enjoy this and they wouldn't, they wouldn't cheat. They are not going to forfeit all the time. So that's the main reason. The other reason was, and, and it's still a reason, is just kind of controlling growth. Mm. Because, you know, if it's just open to the internet, then one season we could double in size. And I think that would have a negative impact on kind of the structure and the culture of the league. And there's more to Learned League than just answering questions. There's also defense. How does that work? Right. So yeah, you're right. So it's not just going to the page and answering six questions. There's a very important aspect of it that we call defense. And what it is simply is you assign a point value to each question for your opponent. Mm-hmm. And so, so one thing to make clear, maybe it hasn't been made clear yet in our conversation here, when you're playing Learned League, you are playing 25 matches and they are head-to-head matches against an opponent. You know, so you have a schedule of opponents over the 25 matches this season. And so each day you have an opponent. So on each day, you're playing that one person and you're assigning a point value for each of the six questions for your opponent. So there are nine points total possible. And so you assign one worth three points, two worth two, two worth one point, and one worth zero. So that gives you a little bit of strategic um, elbow room there because you can assign uh, a three-pointer to your opponent if you do not think they'll know the answer. I mean, then if they, they get it wrong, they've missed out on three points. And then conversely, if there's a question that you know they will get right, then you assign zero points. And so you're not yeah. hurt by that. Yeah. Um, so that's and so the way you win a match is by scoring more points, not by answering more questions correctly. We'll be back with more of June's conversation with Thorsten A. Integrity after this. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Listeners, one of the things we'd love to do with this show is to help solve your creative problems. Whether it's a question about working with collaborators or finding a way to improvise, really anything at all, please send them to us at working at slate.com or give us a ring at 304-933-WORK. And if you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Working wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's rejoin June's conversation with Thorsten A. Integrity. Since this is a show about the creative process, there was so much to just get people who aren't part of the league to understand. So, but we're going to get to the creative process, which is basically, I think, your your writing process here. Yeah. When you sit down to write some learned league questions, what's the first thing you do? So I have these notepads that I that I have. Um, I got them specially printed just because. I don't know, it's almost a vanity thing, but they have a little, I can actually show you. I don't know if you can see that. Okay. It's got a clown ball on it, the Learned League logo. Okay. So anyway, this is a perfect size to write a trivia question on. How many questions do you write on there? One. This is one question. One one question. It's about the size, like half the size of my head, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, I'm very sorry now that we're not doing this on video, by the way. Yeah, I know this is, uh, this is audio. So your listeners are going to miss out on something, but I'm going to show you some old questions. I just have to make sure there aren't questions we've already seen. These are all this season. So I'm going to hold them far back so you can't read it. All right. But this is just a big stack of papers. Can you see? Wow, I can. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is going to, this is a stack of probably about 165 sheets of paper. Wow. Um, And on each one of them is a trivia question that I've written. Okay. So the way I do it to kind of get to the nitty gritty of the process is I basically, one way, there are different ways. Some types of questions kind of um, require different ways of approaching them. But um, generally speaking, I'll sit down in in a chair. I have a chair in my office right next to me here um, with a lamp and everything. And I'll sit down with with a pad of that paper and Mm -hmm. a book. And this isn't a book that probably a normal person would particularly want to like read through. Um, it's more like an encyclopedia or a, a dictionary of science or, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf, you know, a geographical dictionary, uh, Oxford companion to food. I just okay. revealed one of my sources there. That's okay. I've got <laughs> a million others. Um, so I'll, I'll just like have that book and I'll just crack it open and I'll just go through it and kind of just wait for something to kind of catch my eye. Okay. And what I'm looking for basically is a subject. Okay. And that subject is often an answer, but it doesn't have to be the answer. And plus I have to kind of chew on it anyway, but it's a subject. So So what's the first thing do you write down? Do you write down effectively what's going to be the answer? Is that the first thing that, that you write down? Or, or do you write them down in the form of a question? I write them in the form of a question. Okay. It's, it's a rough draft question. So, okay. so a lot of these pages you'll see have lots of scratches and lines uh, and arrows, uh, uh. like add this part, take out that part. But yeah, I, I basically start by kind of just like throwing down a question. Okay. And then I have the answer written at the top. And I think, how does that, does that work? Does that, 
you know, I kind of just think about it, you know, from my experience is that, is that too hard? Is that too easy? Is it interesting? Is it, is it accurate? You know, am I getting it right from the information on the page? Is it, this is all in my head. I haven't done any like supporting research yet. I will, that comes later, but um, like, are there other ways that you can answer this question? Yeah. Just things of that, of that nature, um, just to kind of think about how the question can be structured. And then sometimes you flip it like, well, I'm asking the wrong thing. This should actually be the question and the answer should be this part that I actually put in the question, kind of just like chew on it, kind of like a cow, you know, and just kind of like work through it. And then eventually I'll have like a a draft question. Okay. And I've, I've spent some time on it. I've spent, maybe I got lucky and spent five minutes on it. Maybe I've spent 45 minutes on this one question and I wad up the piece of paper and chuck it across the room because I just can't get it. <laughs> that happens too. And that's really frustrating. But yeah. um, so once I've got that sheet of paper, then I just slot it in the book and then I move on to, the, to like another random page and just start going through. And so after uh, a while, I'll have a book with a bunch of sheets of paper in it. Mm. And then I'll put that book over to the side and I'll grab another book and I'll kind of do that just until I run out of stamina um, <laughs> or run out of time or have something else to do. Yeah. Um, and then what will happen then, unfortunately, I've, I've cleaned it all up, but I have a, I'll have a stack of books, you know, like maybe 5, 10, 20 books, whatever, with these sheets of paper in it. And that's when we go to the computer. And so then I bring it over to the computer and then I have this sheet of paper with the book open to the page. And then I do some research. Okay. I think, okay. I'm not going to trust this book. I don't care how trustworthy it is. Every single book that I own and every single book that you own and every mm-hmm. single book that's ever been written is filled with errors. So I, you got to look it all up. You got to find other sources. And plus, you got to find other information to make it more interesting. Like sometimes I'll write a question like, oh, this is a kind of a bare bones version of a question. I got to add some meat to this. Um, and so that's what I'll look up and I'll do that. And then I kind of craft it into a thing that works. So let's talk about that. So, because as you've said in, in various points, you know, you're not just asking who's the prime minister of Italy, who cares? You are, you're, you're kind of finding a sneaky way into it. Um, to give some examples from the week that we're recording, um, there was one that I, it, to me is a very good learnedly question. So I'm very interested to know how you rate it. So said, some of the better known anadromes, words derived by reversing the spelling of another word, include Oprah Winfrey's media company, Harpo, a particular unit of electric conductance, Mo, and Watt Jazz Standard, composed in 1954 by Sonny Rollins. It was recorded separately by Miles Davis and Wes Montgomery and is named after a country in Africa. Now, there's a lot there. I feel like that's maybe a clue where you thought I need to give a lot of sneaky ways in um, yeah. because, you know, very few people I imagine will know the name of, a, you know, a Sonny Rollins jazz standard from 1954, even though you've uh-huh. given a bunch of clues. But, you know, you've also provided a way to guess there. And I confess, I just guessed by reversing the name of the one country in Africa that I visited how do you, and I got it right, how do you, oh, how, how do you kind of rate that clue? Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that question a lot. The, 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 that question does have a bit of a drawback that I try to avoid in that it's very long. Mm. Um, so mm. I don't, I'm not particularly a fan of long questions. Um, yes, that is unusually but, long. But I wanted to, 
do that for this question. I thought it needed it. So, so the way that question started, if I recall, is that I ran across the definition of anadrome. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting, anadrome. So there's something I can do with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know what? I don't want to just define it. I want to help people kind of conceptualize what that is. So I need to give some examples of things that people have heard of. Yeah. Or maybe you haven't heard of them, but you can you understand it. So so there are a lot of words in that first part of the question, but but now you know exactly what I'm talking about, what mm-hmm. exactly what the answer is going to look like. Right? And so then in my looking up different anadromes, I thought the answer to this question is going to be an anadrome, right? And so which one is gonna is it gonna be? So I've actually I I've already asked about the MO, M-H-O. Uh, that, that, so yeah. so I, I couldn't use that again, although I probably wouldn't have in this case, even if I could. Oprah Winfrey's company is fairly well known, and that would be a good question. But I liked the one that I ended up with because it allowed me to give a different clue. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, and that was at the very end. So the name of that song was, it was written by Sonny Rollins. That's pretty tough. I'm yeah, not sure how yeah. many people can just name a Sonny Rollins song. So I'm going to give you a little bit more on the music side. Recorded by Miles Davis, you know, that that brings in a little bit more people. But then the thing that really hooks you in is it's named after a country in Africa. So now you've got something to work on. Yeah. And and the thing that also is essential, uh, I'm not sure we've, we've specified explicitly, is that there should only be one possible answer. That's a key thing that you're shooting for you're another thing that you're you're thinking about when you're coming up with clues is just making sure that you don't have two potential correct answers right so you've also cut off a lot of other potential answers by some of the things that you put in there that's exactly right so that's that's a reason for when questions have a lot of words that's often the reason why yeah yeah Um, because i have to just make sure it's very cleanly pinned to that one answer. And that probably is the hardest thing to do when you're writing trivia questions. And I also think it's the hardest thing to do when you're testing trivia questions. You know, I have people who test these questions and give feedback and test ah. and fact check and all that stuff. It's fairly straightforward to fact check something. Like you say that this is the capital of this. I look it up. Okay, yes, it's the capital. Um, oh, well, guess what? It actually has two capitals. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't look that up. I just made sure that this was a capital, right? Um, so that's, that's hard to test because you kind of got to turn it around. You got to look at it in reverse. Um, so that, that was a part of that too. Like, you know, by asking about a Sonny Rollins song, there probably aren't any other Sonny Rollins songs that he wrote that are anadromes. Yeah. But I don't want to have to go and look at his whole catalog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because sure, like, don't ever take anything for granted. As soon as you make that assumption, he couldn't possibly have named another song. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? He did one other yeah. song. Um, I don't know that, but I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, comes yeah, up yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so adding that like country in Africa part, it also just makes it interesting too. Like, yeah. ah, I have a feeling a lot of people have heard of that song because it's fairly well known jazz song, but they didn't know. Oh, that's actually Nigeria backwards. Got it. Well, okay, so another one from this week uh, is, a, I think, an example of a question that's about as straightforward as they get, um, but I think it was asked in, a, in an interesting way. So the question was, an individual named Naftali Bennett ascended to his current position on June 13th, 2021, succeeding whom? 
And of course, the correct answer is Benjamin Netanyahu. But it's more fun to get that answer that way rather than another much easier way you could have put it than like, who was the Israeli prime minister on June 12th, 2021? Can you recall what you were, how that question came about? Yeah, so that question came about, so that's pretty much a, a straightforward current events question, right? And so I like to have a few of those just to reward people who are kind of paying attention to the news. Um, but that's a two-step question, which sometimes can um, kind of be a minefield because you think, yes. oh, I know step one, here's the answer. Um, but it's a two-step question. You have to recognize, I mean, the, the second step's much easier than the first, really. But, but the key to that question really is recognizing the name. Naftali Bennett, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know who that is, you know the answer almost surely, right? There's not yeah. a lot of people that know Naftali Bennett but don't know who he succeeded. Yeah. But that's kind of the the wrinkle to the question. I don't want you to just know Israel. I don't want you to just know Benjamin Netanyahu. I want you to be able to connect all those things together. Yeah. And only by doing all those things can you arrive at the right answer. So it's more of like a garden path than a, just a like a hit. I wonder, could you share a couple of questions that you were particularly proud of? Do you have any in mind? Well, let's see. So one of the things that I, we talked about earlier about kind of like the canon, right? And yeah. and like, there is kind of a, such a thing. Like, there's all different sorts of trivia competitions. And so the canon's pretty broad. But there still is kind of a, a set of questions that you really see more than others. And so I enjoy questions that um, kind of step outside that that canon, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they often tend to reveal themselves in Learned League in the sense that they are questions that the general population would do just as well, or if not better, ah. than the Learned League population. Oh. For example, and this question was inspired by, um, I think this was a segment on like Jay Leno on The Tonight Show when Jay Leno was hosting, where he or somebody would go out I have this vague memory of it, so I'm not going to describe it correctly, but yeah, yeah. they would go out into like some public plaza and ask people like really simple questions and they'd get it wrong just uh -huh. to kind of make fun of how dumb people yeah. are. It's yeah, kind of a yeah. mean sketch, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was inspired by something similar to that. It might have been a YouTube video or something similarly mean spirited, really. Mm -hmm. um, but the, I remember them, this, this, and it was a guy, he was asking these two teenage girls like, who was president before Donald Trump or something like something really yeah, simple yeah. and they didn't know yeah. it, you know, and yeah, ha 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 ha. Yeah. And then, but then they, he showed them a photo of these two young women. And can you name these two young women? And they instantly yeah, named yeah. Dixie yeah. and Charlie D'Amelio. Right. So, so I thought, Oh, that's a good, that's a good trivia question because that's like, like in some segments of the population that is, could not be more pervasive. Right. That's and then for those two girls in that video, that's the easiest question. That was stupidly easy. Right. But for for Learned League, it's not. Yeah. And yeah. so so that was that's fun to kind of ask questions that like you're not going to see this. I mean, I'm not saying you'll never see it. In yeah, 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 yeah. Competitions. There's all sorts of stuff and they're all great. But um, but I just like that because it's kind of like a, a taste of something different. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm not one of these people who remembers how I did. I couldn't even tell you, you know, it, it leaves my head the minute I hit submit. But I remember just like not even knowing what on earth that was a, like. I was just clueless about that question. I certainly did not get it right because I had, <laughs> I had no context. But so yeah, I, that really makes sense to me. Whereas 
that is something a gigantic percentage of the population would think was the most obvious thing in the world, right? Right. Yeah. So that's so that's one type of question that I that I like kind of producing. Another one yeah. is the type of question that and and this is there's a little bit of ego involved in this and also delusion. Um, <laughs> but but a question where like I write it, I've put it together and I think, you know what? I don't think this question has ever been asked. Whoa. Like I don't think ever, anyone has ever formed this kind of question. You know, like yeah. maybe a a recent example would be something like um well there I was a question yesterday where I gave three terms, foreign terms for dishes that were basically essentially meatloaf. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, like yeah. these these three dishes could be translated to the name of what artist. Mm-hmm. And that actually mm-hmm. probably has been asked before, but but I like that. Like, oh, this yeah. is kind of a a fun twist on this. Yeah. Or another one. Here's another one. This is kind of a this is a different angle, which is a question that like is really, really easy if you get what's being asked. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to get what's being asked. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a not, I'm trying to come up with a novel way of asking it. And so there was a question about the key phrase was mustachioed solanum. And that, I mean, that's all you really need to know in the question to know the answer. Because a solanum, well, there are different solanums, but a potato is one solanum. So, yeah, so yeah. it's Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. So that's just kind of a way to kind of craft to come in from the reverse angle of a Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. And, and, and again, I, I swear, I don't think I remember questions from one day to the next. But as you're giving these <laughs> questions, I'm like, yeah, I didn't get that one either when, when you asked <laughs> Shane Bushfield, thank you so much for sharing the secrets of Learned League. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for asking me on. I really enjoyed it. June, that was a great interview. I learned so much from that. But before we get to talking about, I guess, the substance of it, I have to ask, you're a Learned League player. This mm-hmm. is your first time talking to its host and founder. Was he what you thought he'd be like? What, what is your relationship to him as a player of the game? So yes and no, as far as your question about whether he was as I thought he would be. Um, yes, in that he was a really fun guy to chat with. He brings a lot of quirk and fun to his questions uh, and that shone through. And he was also pretty careful with his answers, just as he is with his questions. And he seemed like a very happy guy. I'm projecting, of course, I don't know him in real life, but he's set up a good business in a field that he's super into. In many ways, he's living the creative person's dream. And judging from his enthusiasm, he seems to be enjoying himself. There's only one thing that surprised me, though. Uh, In his emails, he is incredibly formal. He's my only regular emailer who always addresses me as Ms. Thomas. But on Zoom, he had the friendly demeanor that you'd expect from a Midwesterner who's been transplanted to the Pacific Northwest. So he's not as formal as he is in his emails. Uh, He wasn't in a top hat and tails. (laughs) No, funnily Uh, enough, no monocle. 
<laughs> I mean, it's interesting to think about the personality of a quiz master and how that shapes the trivia itself, right? Like, I used to play that game, You Don't Know Jack, which is super snarky and I think now lives on as a kind of app thing that you can do at parties. Or, of course, we think of Alex Trebek, who had this kind of steady, avuncular wisdom that was laced through with a bit of Canadian frostiness. <laughs> I don't know that we think of trivia as a personal art form, but it sounds like Shane's work is very personal. Most of it's just him. Yeah, that was really surprising to me because there are a lot of questions. He has written literally thousands of them at this point. And given that this is a pretty successful business, I should note that after your rookie season, which is on the house, you have to pay to play. And the basic fee is $30 a year, though I understand that many people choose to pay more. So obviously he could pay people to write questions, but he clearly really enjoys it. And having well-crafted questions is also clearly very important to him. And boy, does he work hard at that craft. I mean, yes. how, I was, whoa, I was surprised by how much work goes into the job. I guess because he's sort of a one-person show, right? But it's it's yeah. reads books, then they become notes, then they become drafts, <laughs> then he has fact checkers. It's actually not that different from uh, writing a book, I guess. Oh, oh, God, that's such a good point of comparison. And now I'm kind of envious that he begins with the answer and works backwards. So he knows where he's going. I, unlike you, I am just starting to research a book and I'm already worried that I'll get so lost in these little fascinating side journeys that I'm taking. Uh, I'm just like worried that I'll never come back. But he always has a place to go back to. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll warn you, June, there are mm. parts of my book that are like, I read an entire dissertation and got one paragraph. Oh, so, you know, yeah. it's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. You're just going to have to <laughs> make yeah. your peace of it, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like another way in which his job isn't that different from what we think of as traditional quote, art, unquote, is his relationship to difficulty. Mm. You know, anything you make creatively for an audience you're, you think at some point about how difficult it is for your audience to get or to understand. And, and sometimes difficulty is a good thing. Sometimes it's an important part of the process because that little bit of work that people have to do can be actually pleasurable. Yeah, it's all about, you know, providing the right product to your audience. And before I talked to him, I'd read that his goal was for about 50% of contestants to get each question right which of course means about 50% get it wrong. And I didn't really understand why. But now I get how difficulty plays into contestants' enjoyment of the game. If the questions are too hard, that's just a bummer. But if they're too easy, every game would just end in a draw with everyone getting maximum points. And one of the things that we didn't really get into was the fact that the Learned League works like European soccer, like at the end of every season, a certain number of players get promoted to a higher league or a higher rundle and a certain number get relegated to the next one down. And it really feels good when you find your rundle where you're up against people with a kind of similar level of trivia knowledge, where you're not always just being slaughtered every day or you're not too comfortably, you know, leading the pack. But in the top leagues, there's very little difference between players. The trivia obsessives know all the answers because they spend their whole lives poring over reference books just like Shane slash Thorsten does. And so there really isn't an easy solution to that problem. So I'm glad to be in my very decent but not at the very top rundle. Right. I mean, it also sounds like part of this process is to defeat Google. 
right? Because if you think about it, if you're doing it at home, you know, you can go and search online to find the answer. But for example, when you were reading that one about the Sonny Rollins tune that Miles Davis had done, I mean, Google's not going to really help you with that. Well, but that is something that's very important. And we have to really stress that every day, you're absolutely on your honor. It's only on your honor, but you cannot cheat. Every day you, when you kind of submit your entries, you say, I didn't cheat today. Uh, there are only two rules of Learned League is that you won't cheat and you won't forfeit. Now, I have forfeited because sometimes I've just had stuff going on or some days I've just forgotten, like I've, I've got no excuse. Um, but you can't cheat. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how easy it is to Google. Mm. You can't Google. I'm also curious about what you made of his answer about diversity, because I thought you brought up an interesting point. Diversity isn't just about making sure that, you know, their referrals aren't all cishet white men, right? (laughs) It's also about the kinds of questions uh, he asks. As in any creative endeavor, diversity is also a question of content. Oh, my God, yes. That was fascinating. And here, I actually have to give a shout out to Dan Coyce. Again, he's mentioned twice in this show now. Don't encourage him. I know. And because he invited me to the league. And when he told me about it, he did not explicitly say, I don't want to just keep referring cis white guys. But I have since realized that that he was probably doing his bit to like reorder the league's demographic. So good work, Dan. Um, But I have certainly noticed that some of the questions were doing what Shane very nicely called stretching the trivia canon. On the day we're taping this, there was a question about a Kardashian. And that is another part of stretching that feels important. Um, And it also enrages me because once again, I got that question wrong. Did you answer it like Todd Kardashian or something? Because you have no (laughs) idea what their names are. Yeah, more or less, more or less. So, June, I got to ask, you're clearly a dedicated trivia meister. I used to do pub trivia a little bit when I lived in Minneapolis. It was actually pizzeria trivia. It was in a pizzeria, (laughs) but uh, where all the waiters dressed up like superheroes. That's a story for another day. It sure Uh, is. I take it you are far more serious about this than I ever was. You do do it daily, right? Um, What is it that makes trivia so special for you? What is the particular joy of playing it, even when, as you readily admit, you frequently don't know the answer? I No, I, I'm definitely not much of a trivia person. I don't watch Jeopardy or any other TV quiz shows, although actually I do when I'm in England for some reason. Um, I've never, ever been a regular pub quiz or bar trivia or certainly not pizzeria trivia person, um, though I have subbed in from time to time. But I've probably done that kind of thing fewer than five times in my life. Uh, but I do enjoy Learned League. And actually, in this very specific case, there's a social aspect to it. I'm in a Slack channel with some people who play and it's just kind of fun to have a no, like not even low stakes, but no stakes thing to just make small talk about, like to whine about tricky questions or missed answers or annoying opponents whose defensive strategy is just offensive. But um, I, I just want to stress, we, we do have a strict rule about how you can't uh, talk about questions until the next day. But I mean, I just think, this is the generalist sweet spot, right? Like, I am not the expert on anything except perhaps dentistry. I, you know, I just know a bit about a lot of things. And that's actually pretty good for trivia. Uh, you must have been pretty good at pizzeria trivia, right? Can I tell you the the my shining achievement at pizzeria oh, yes. trivia? Yes. So there was one time where we had to, they gave us the tagline and we had to figure out the movie. Okay. Mm. And the tagline was something like, 
it was the weekend they didn't play golf. That's the tagline. Mm. And we're all staring at each other. And I just said, I don't know, fuck it, just write Deliverance. And it was Deliverance. Wow. We got it right. We were the only team that got it right. And I don't know how that happened. It was like, uh, so that felt amazing. But the other thing that feels amazing, I feel like, is when there's some sort of, you know, maybe more peculiar little bit of something that you're not expecting to come up as a question that comes up. So, for example, I'm sure if it's a dentistry question, you're like, how many people in my rundle know about dentistry? Or you've traveled extensively in Japan many, many times. I'm sure if, if something comes up like that, it's like a little dopamine burst, right? Well, you know, the worst is when they um, they ask about English things, just because if you are from there, they're generally easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But that's the thing, right? You feel the pain. You feel the pain of the ones you missed. I don't remember any questions that I got right, but I remember all the ones, well, many of the ones that I stupidly messed up. I got a dentistry question wrong, and it was a super basic one. I like, I... I said endodontist when the answer was periodontist. And needless to say, I have both of those specialists in my life. And I'd just seen the periodontist like the day before or something. And it was just boneheaded. Uh, So just because you know it doesn't mean you always get it right. Um, I do think like, but you're right, though, that that, that there are certain things. I'm really not a trivia maven, but like I did have a pretty classical education, you know, with five years of Latin and various foreign languages. I know absolutely nothing about science because in in Britain we specialize early. Um, But like, that's what that was built for, right? But it does go back to that thing of, you know, just in every creative pursuit, you know, it's healthy to think about the canon and how you are stretching it and how you are challenging it. I I happen not I happen to be someone who doesn't think we should like do away with all canons necessarily. Right, but right. we do. Uh, you know, we need to stretch them. We need to diversify them. We need to challenge the rules for getting for getting into them. Right. Yes. You know, these are yes. socially constructed things, and we Absolutely. can decide to socially construct some new shit. Amen. It's, and it's very important. And I I give great praise to Shane slash Thorsten for really putting in some time there. Amazing. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll never miss an episode. And now, let me tell you one last time how awesome a Slate Plus membership is. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, full access to all the articles on Slate.com, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood. But I also hope you might like to support the work we do right here on Working. It's only $1 for the first month. To learn more, go to slate.com slash working plus. Thank you so much to this week's guest, Shane Bushfield, a.k.a. Thorsten A. Integrity. And thanks, as always, to our splendid producer, Cameron Drews. We'll be back next week with Isaac's interview with Morgan Rhodes, the music supervisor for Space Jam, A New Legacy. Until then, get back to work. 